TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Have you had any conversation with Robert Kraft this week about your future with the team? Yeah, I'm looking forward to working, getting ready for the Jets here. Well, they want to get ready for a conversation with Robert Kraft. It's Bill Belichick yesterday. Talking to the assembled media, we found out late yesterday, Jordan Schultz had the report. Mike Reese has added to it this morning. Kraft and Belichick, they're going to sit down next week. And that's all in the midst of another bombshell from Callahan and Kide. It's that time of year. It is. They've had a couple this year. They had a good one a couple of months ago on the quarterback room. Andrew Callahan and Karen Garigian had a story in the aftermath of last season about the dysfunction within the Patriots. And, uh, well, long story short, this is a dysfunctional team, which some of us have been trying to tell you for a long, long time. Uh, It's Jones and Mego with Arcan here on WEEI. We'll get into all our takeaways from the story. We're going to talk to Andrew Callahan, one of the authors in the Boston Herald of the latest Inside the Patriots, their fall to rock bottom of the Bill Belichick era. His words, not ours. Yeah, right. Although we'll co-sign them. We'll see if it could get worse. Uh, that's at 4.30 with Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald. Tommy Curran's going to join us today at 3.30 as well. So we should get a lot of insight onto where Bill Belichick stands, what his future is, where he could wind up. There's a new report today from Josina Anderson. The NFC South is interested in Bill Belichick. So a lot to get to today. You know what it sounds like to me? What's that? Football day. Football day. Oh, it's a football, football day. Football day. It's a football day. It's a football month. It's it's been a football year. Uh, not a lot of on the field stuff for the Patriots. So let me give you a a brief overview here from the Herald story. We'll get into a lot of specifics because I think a lot of big picture stuff did not blow me away in this story, but some of the detail, like the granular level stuff, is is very interesting in this story. So we'll get to all of that throughout the course of the show. Uh, The Herald interviewed more than a dozen team sources who spoke on the condition of anonymity for fear of retribution from the Patriots. And I just wonder that's just like a lot of people to talk to. But I but I wonder what that means. Oh no, more than a dozen (laughs) is a ton to talk to. Who's whose retribution are you fearful of? Probably Bill. Yes. So that should tell you a lot about who's talking. They paint scenes of a new offensive coordinator unsure of his assistance, a quarterback's room filled with tense radio silence, an offensive lineman unofficially working as a coach to round out a shorthanded staff. Another veteran proclaiming with four games left, he'd play for another team next year. Quick, guess who that could possibly be? Hmm. (laughs) Quote, this was messed up from the beginning, a locker room source said. Another quote, nothing like I expected. Not at all. A year ago, such disaster caused Kraft to push for coaching changes, which led to the rehiring of ex-Patriots assistant Bill O'Brien last January. 
Belichick, according to sources, preferred to keep Patricia and grow together. Instead, Belichick relented, and O'Brien returned as offensive coordinator. So Callahan and Kide uh, begin there. They pull the thread from there. The decision to move on from Patricia and Judge. Bill wanted to keep Patricia. He was forced into hiring O'Brien, which makes sense. Uh, I believe that for a while. Uh, Mego, you've read through this, as have I, as has Arcan, as I'm sure a lot of you have out there. You can weigh in at 617-779-7937. What's your biggest takeaway from this story? So I was most impressed, I'll say this first and foremost, by the reporting that they did on the full state of the offensive line. I think they did a really good job sourcing and laying out just what a disaster the offensive line was throughout the entire season, from coaching to how the message was getting through to switching systems halfway through the year, or at least tendencies from what Clem was teaching to going back to what Skarnecchia used to teach and Bill trying to do that. Like, it was just a total mess. But the biggest takeaway to me was I need more quarterback dirt. I want to know. I want this is this is when I when I got to the end of it, there was so much good reporting. They in went it. easy on the QBs. And, well, it wasn't even going easy. I just think it's. It's difficult at this. I imagine it's difficult at this point in the calendar year. Like, I want a part two that is just what what did Mac think or people around Mac say he thought after the third time he was benched and then the fourth time he was benched? Like when his family went over to uh, Germany for the Colts game, what did they think after watching that? Where do that? Where does he want to go? Did he have faith in Bill O'Brien throughout the entire his entire tenure as the starting quarterback? Did he and Bill Belichick meet throughout the year? Did they meet on a weekly basis? Did the meetings change? Did Bill O'Brien at any point serve as a kind of buffer between those two? And I think a lot of we a lot of what happened with the quarterbacks is very clear if you just watch the games. You're like, yeah, Matt couldn't stop shooting himself in the foot. You couldn't have him out there, of course. But I want the behind-the-scenes You want details. Dirt on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there was a lot of good details in this story. You know, Adrian Clem confronting Matt Groh. Uh, we'll get to some of that, which is uh, which is good. Uh, I was just going to say this. I mean, this, this. Is, this is the first time that a quarterback, a starting quarterback, as to my knowledge, was benched four times yeah. in one season. Well. How does that go down? And according to this story, he started to lose the team after the New Orleans game, which makes a lot of sense. And weird, they stuck with Mac beyond that. Maybe because Bill's hands were forced, as I've suggested. Numerous, numerous times. Uh, Jack Jones blew up on Mike Pellegrino at one point in time. Trent Brown, after beating Pittsburgh, their first win in forever after beating Pittsburgh, he's like, I can't wait to go to this NFC team. So, like, a lot of good detail in there. You want more on the quarterbacks? I'd agree. Well, they went way easy on the quarterbacks in this story. Not a lot of dirt on the QBs. Arkham, what jumped out to you? What jumped out when I first finished reading it, all I could think was, wow, it's amazing how uniformly it seems the offense was neglected. From like the very top on down to the very bottom, it seemed like every aspect of the offense was just sort of an afterthought and really not anything that Bill Belichick thought was urgent or needed to be fixed or really was worthy of his time and attention and draft capital and free agents and all the rest of it. But my main takeaway is that for the second consecutive year, Bill's staff, and that's who I think most of this is. I mean, that's what the retribution stuff is, right? Well, I would, some, like, I would, I would agree. Some yeah. of the sources are named as locker room sources, locker which room I would sources. take as somebody on the team. Players, and then, and then there were then there were team sources, players, which could be, coaches, people who are under Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Which I would I separate the front some of the front office from that in, in upper management. Um, but it, when it comes to you know people who would fear retribution, I, I consider that to be people who report directly to Bill. And this is the second straight year where those people 
and it's not the same people, but people in that you know circle have come running to Andrew Callahan to tell him how much everything sucked and how Bill effed us. That's what they said last year. And I know, Mega, you said whoever whoever gave him that was gone. Well, you know what? They're singing like canaries here this year, too. And it's the same sort of stuff. Uh, you know, the defense is still pretty good, and it's his family who coaches the defense, so you're not going to hear them really going after him very much. But on the offensive side, I mean, this is a broken team. It, just a completely broken, dysfunctional mess. And they are not shy about, I mean, they're shy in the sense that they're not not putting their name next to it, but they're not shy about going to the press and saying, hey, this isn't our fault. This is what happened. This is how it really went down. This isn't working. And this is now two straight years of this. This is the 2024 Patriots, and this is what they've been the last couple of years. So, you know, my big takeaway from this story, and I've felt this way for a long time, so I, I don't mean to diminish the reporting of, of Andrew Callahan and Doug, uh, Doug Kite. It's a great story in the Boston Herald. We're going to talk about it all day. It's worth reading if you it's haven't yet. It's just your nature. No, it's just... We knew they were a mess. We knew this thing was a disaster. It's like Mayo wants to be the next coach, and he's carrying himself a certain way, and Bill resents that, and there's friction within the coaching staff, and players are warring with the coaches, whether it is you know Mike Pellegrino and Jack Jones, or whether it is coaches against the front office, Adrian Clem against Matt Groh. There's all it's, this. It's tough. It was tough for Brooks out there. It, it, it was tough for him that day, I'm sure, when Clem was shouting at him. So it's like there's all this infighting. And it's the second year in a row to Arkan's point in the Boston Herald where the te- people inside the team are squawking, and you know Bill hates that. And Bill can't plug the leaks because it's that much of a disaster. You are dysfunctional. You are a mess. Like I've said this before, this feels Jetsy. You're playing the Jets this week. This feels like the kind of story, expose, that would happen with the Jets. Infighting, players warring with coaches, players warring with players, coaches warring with coaches, coaches warring with the front office. Coaches, you know, arguing over who's the heir apparent. You know, never mind. You have Bill Belichick sitting there and he can't control the narrative while they lose week after week after week. This is what the Patriots are. And some people still think Bill Belichick can save his job? This is news to us. Clem v. Grow, Pellegrino v. Jack Jones. Players squawking about the quarterback situation. Bill not wanting to even go to Bill O'Brien in the first place and having it forced. Like, we're learning about some of this for the first time, and we've had our assumptions. Robert's known all of this. Robert knows all. You think he woke up today and read the Herald and said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this has been going on with my team. He knows it. There's probably way more that we don't even know. People think Bill should be back. People think Bill can talk himself back into this job. Zero. And I mean zero chance after this. How about Bill O'Brien wanting to clean house and bring in his own staff? Yeah. And good. Belichick basically saying, no, no, this is the staff. Yeah. You can bring in one person. So there's friction with Mayo and Belichick. Because Kaylee left, so you can bring in a tight end. There's place. friction with Belichick and O'Brien, probably. You know, there's there's definitely friction with Mayo and the rest of the coaching staff loyal to Bill, his kids, lacrosse players, etc. Uh, so you can jump in on all of it. 617-779-7937. We'll read through some of the key details uh, all the way down to the granular level. But real quick, I do want to toss this out. The biggest mistake that Belichick and ownership made with the Patriots this season, uh, I feel it was sticking with Mac Jones. You could also vote for neglecting the offensive line, neglecting the weapons in the passing game, or the coaching staff structure. Mega, where would you come down on that? Weapons. I'm saying weapons. Um, I think the offensive line, it's just beating a dead horse. It's been bad this year. It was bad last year. Uh, You didn't fix it at all, and that was a huge, just fundamental issue with your team. But your receivers... Now that we can sit here at the end of the season, or just one game away from the end of the season, 
their lack of production was straight up embarrassing. Like some of the worst production in the entire league. Demario Douglas was 36th in the league with average separation at 3.2. That's the highest Patriot in all of the league in all of the league in terms of pass catcher separation. Kendrick Bourne was second on your team with 70th. Devontae Parker was the second worst receiver in terms of average separation in the entire qualifying pass catchers in the entire league. And that's supposed to be one of your go-to guys. Overall, their production was just so bad. There should be justice for Mike Giardi with his stink, stank, stunk <laughs> that everybody laughed at him in training camp and poked fun at him. He was right. And it's I know that the offensive line was bad, and it feels like that's where a lot of these troubles start. But I don't know that anyone could make the offense work with these this level of pass catching. Arkan, you stank and stunk. Arkan, you agree with Mego slash Giardi? I agree with both of them very much. And what makes it stand out to me more so than even like the offensive line, there's guys they could have signed on the offensive line that they didn't. But for me, it's the DeAndre Hopkins thing because that fell right into their lap. Ryan just right there. Ryan just said in my ear he had a thousand yards this year. Yeah. I mean Hopkins was terrific this year. Uh, and I think that that really, to me, sums it all up. You had that guy come to your facility. He was available after everything. It was like Cam Newton. Remember when Cam Newton was available in July? You have this guy who's an all pro, you know, all pro caliber player, fall into your lap and you lowball him and he go, ends up going to Tennessee. That really set it over for me. That's that's sort of what did it. So, so I, I agree with Mary. We'll get to your phone call, 617-779-7937. They think weapons. I'll stand with quarterback. We can explain why. And we'll get into all the details from this Andrew Callahan story. Is it it? Is this the end for Bill Belichick? Should this be the final straw? We'll talk to Callahan about it at 4.30. We'll talk to Curran at 3.30. We'll talk to you right after Trending with our kid. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is Jones and Mego. You're Dr. Doom. I am. I'm also Dr. Don Overton. On WEEI. On WEEI. Team owner Robert Kraft, team president Jonathan Kraft have a meeting with Bill Belichick. It is currently scheduled for Monday, and they're going to be looking for some answers as to why things have fallen off so dramatically this season. Robert Kraft has been very disappointed with the way this season has unfolded naturally, and people that are close to him relay to me that that disappointment 
has been so extreme to the point that he has strongly considered moving on from Belichick. But these people also tell me, Greeny, that no decision has been made at this point, And that's why this final meeting will be so important. Mike Reese today on Get Up. Robert Kraft will meet with Bill Belichick on Monday. He has strongly considered moving on, yet no decision has been made. Which feels like semantics to me. That's what we've been trying to say now for weeks. We're going to talk to Tommy Curran a little over an hour from now at 3.30. Joins us every Thursday. He said the decision's done. And, like, I guess the decision technically can't be done until he's fired. But this is reporters playing the semantics game. Rap Sheet is doing it. I love Mike Reese, but it's like, well, they strongly considered it, but they haven't decided yet. He's gone. And after reading the Herald story today, he should be gone. I, I don't get how anyone would defend his candidacy. Oh, he's got six rings. What, you don't respect the last 20 years? No, no, I do. I, I'm not taking any of that away, though there are times where I'd like to because it was kind of all about Brady. But fine, no, he, he, he give him those 20 years. Look at how the last two have gone. He was lucky to get this year. And then look at what he did with it. So, I don't know, do you think he can save himself at all in that meeting, Mego, on Monday? It's hard to imagine. And there is another Mike Reese sound where he talks about, well, maybe Bill will be open to having somebody else come in and help on personnel. And this is what I keep getting stuck on is this now last minute pivot where people are floating the idea that Bill's going to give up personnel power or that he's going to collaborate in a real way with somebody else on personnel decisions. And I just can't see that. I just can't see that practically working, especially in the off season when you're tackling something like the draft or making major free agency moves. I can't see them bringing in the type of person who would question Bill's authority and Bill rolling with that and being like, you know what? You know better than me. Can you imagine Bill taking that stance on this guy Uh, you know better than me like it's just it just i'm sorry it doesn't jive with the guy that we've seen for two plus decades let me amend my answer i couldn't see him doing that here could you see him doing it elsewhere arkin yes and i could see him doing it here too i could see at at this point now i think i could and i based that off of what i read today about the whole bill o'brien thing and how he was really dead set on bringing patricia back and the front you know crafted everybody said no you know what you got to hire bill o'brien that's what you're doing and he said okay i'll hire bill o'brien and he did the same thing with gronkowski and craft stepped in before but arkan said you have to do these things i know but he's done it no but that but i get what arkan saying acquiesced i guess is the point so i could see him acquiescing or at least saying that he will and then maybe i don't know we'll see how the actual thing goes but and then he I doesn't let that. Bill O'Brien, I'm saying, but from a practicality standpoint, then Bill O'Brien, so according to the Herald piece here, Bill O'Brien wanted to clean house and build his own offensive staff arriving in January, but Belichick denied him. I'm reading right. directly from the piece. Yeah, he only allowed one hire. Right. No, but my point is, even if he does, even if he does that, he says that for all appearances, it's not going to work in actuality. Yeah. Robert shouldn't give him any options. I'm just saying may- maybe he would be more open to telling Robert what he wants to hear to keep his job. Yeah. And saying, yeah, fine, I'll give up personnel power, and then I'll just walk all over the personnel guy. Yeah. Like I-, I could see that happening, but that's on Robert if he falls for that. Uh, Josina Anderson mentioned some NFC South teams. I-, I won't give you the full report here, but she said teams in the NFC South could be interested. I bet Bill would be far more likely to give up personnel in a place like Carolina or Tampa, which would be very interesting. Or even Atlanta. I, I'd imagine Arthur Smith gets fired, although the Falcons could still make the playoffs. Um, I could see him giving up personnel in a place like that, not here. 
But Arkin makes a fair point. He, he, he gave up his control over the offense last year. And I bet he's kicking himself over it. In fact, we know he's kicking himself over it. Here's the latest in the Boston Herald from Andrew Callahan and Doug Kide. Uh, not only are we talking to Tommy Curran at 3.30, we're going to talk to Andrew Callahan at 4.30. So a lot of insight on the Patriots today. Uh, in the subheading called Repeating the Pass, and this is what Mego is just referencing. Days after the Patriots announced the opening of an offensive coordinator search last January, it became clear Belichick had no intention of running his search in good faith. And I feel like we talked about this at the time. It's, you know, all these people with connections to Bill or former Patriot people like Bill O'Brien... Uh, Keenan McCardell, names like this, right? Adrian Clem interviewed for the o, uh, offensive coordinator job. He eventually got the O-line job. O'Brien was the only candidate of the five he interviewed with coordinator experience. According to league sources, some assistants came to believe O'Brien wanted to clean house, like Mego was just saying, and build out his own staff upon arriving in January, but Bill denied him. Belichick allowed one hire, Will Lawing, who I know is uh, Ryan's favorite, who replaced ex-tight ends coach Nick Cayley. Quote, the staff dynamic is completely effed, one team source said. Let's jump in on that. Should Bill O'Brien be allowed to hire his own offensive staff? He should be able to have some input. I don't think he should be able to say, hey, I'm firing everyone here and replacing everyone. That's a lot of turnover in one season. But I think that he should be able to have, say, get more than, hey, you get one guy. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, he should get input, but Bill, at the end of the day, makes the calls, right? He should be allowed. He's the head coach. Like, what offensive coordinator gets to say, I'm hiring this guy, I'm hiring that guy, I'm hiring that Does any offensive coordinator get to do that? I don't know, but also, Bill doesn't coach offense, so, I mean, why would he care? Like, that's sort of what He's I was the coach wondering. of the team. I know, but why would he care what's going on in the offense? Let him take care of the offense. Because a lot of those are his guys. Own, yeah. All right, but he doesn't coach offense, is my point. Like, they right, may be his he, guys. He wants Troy Brown there. I don't understand. But that. he also wanted Matt Patricia. Hey, like, I don't understand. What do you mean he doesn't coach the He's the head coach. He oversees it all. Right. But he doesn't really. I mean, come on. Like, he's not He's not really coaching the offense like he coaches the defense. You agree with that, right? I mean, he's probably more, he has more input on the defensive side. But Arkin, when Adrian I'm Clem- surprised he wasn't more hands-off about it, I guess, is the point. Okay, I just, the idea that Bill O'Brien wanted to come in and hire his own staff to me is crazy. Clean house is very strong. Crazy. Like, the Patriots have a bad staff. I'm not arguing with that. But Bill O'Brien's like, I'm coming in and I'm cleaning house. It's Bill Belichick's team. So, like, there's this whole dynamic going on where Gerard Mayo feels empowered by Robert Kraft, and Bill O'Brien obviously felt empowered by Robert Kraft to come in and do what he wants, and Bill's like, no, no, I run the show. And that's part of the F dynamic that Team Source is talking about. Going into that F dynamic, do you think that there's a side of Bill O'Brien coming in who thinks, like, I'm doing Kraft's and the Bill, and the Bill, the Kraft's and Bill a solid by coming here from Alabama and rescuing this offense from Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? And do you think that there's a part of Bill Belichick who thinks I'm doing Bill O'Brien a solid by yes, bringing him back into the probably. NFL and maybe he'll get to use this as a stepping stone back to something else? Yeah. I feel like it's very possible that they both went in with that sort of mindset. I'm doing and you a solid. And then it's like, I don't get to hire my guys. And it's like, you think you're going to come in here and hire your guys? Well, this is the problem. This is the problem with, I don't think Bill was on board with O'Brien. Kraft was on board with O'Brien. So Kraft was probably talking to O'Brien, and I'm sure him and Belichick had conversations, but, like, Kraft was telling O'Brien one thing. O'Brien expected something. He gets there, and Belichick's like, that's not how we do it. So that's part of the F dynamic. Uh, O'Brien's frustration with the wide receivers and O-line coaches began bubbling over as soon as late spring. So Ross Douglas is gone. Adrian Clem is on leave, quote-unquote. Maybe he's gone, too. Members of the front office shared O'Brien's frustration. Front office with the lack of development as the season wore on. Quote, it's just a lot of bad crap, another team to- uh, source said. Bad coaching. 
outside the front office, a few staffers privately pointed fingers back at the decision makers. So you get that? The front office is like, these guys can't coach these players. We draft we drafted all this young talent and they don't know what they they can't coach up Tyquan Thornton, these morons, you know? They can't coach up uh strong uh, guys like this, right? They can't do this. Uh strange rather. And so they're pointing the finger at the coaches. The coaches are like, these guys suck. They're pointing the finger right back. A few staffers privately pointed fingers back at the decision makers about the talent evaluation. That is, save for Clem. He wasn't private about it, Arkan. He confronted Director of Player Personnel, Macro early in the season in a loud exchange that reverberated through the organization. Clem. Riley Reef sucks, 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 sucks. Guys who love football know that this is a place for guys who love football. Clem, according to sources, didn't feel heard while some offensive veterans didn't want to believe their eyes. So if you love football, this is the place to be. Veterans on offense are like, well, this is a mess. I can't believe this kind of crap is happening here and not at the New York Jets. It's happening with the New England Patriots. It reverberated through the organization. What does that mean? Like that's I think like we just heard it. No, but no, no, but that's not just like in the in the that means like it sent shockwaves. People yes. talking crap about it. After that, they're like, "Can you can you believe this happened? Can you believe Clem went after Grow like that? This kind of unprofessional bullcrap like that. That's what's been going on since training camp, Arkin. Yeah, and listen, I mean, if I'm Adrian Clem, I'm probably frustrated with the way that they treated the offensive line too. I mean, this is sort of what it what it looks like. These are the people who are talking. This is where it's all coming from. And at the end of the art, at the end of uh, this piece, it said they doubt that Clem's coming back and that O'Brien yep. might not come back either. So I mean, you know, there may be yet another big I mean, upheaval here. I doubt anyone's on the offense. Back. And I, they should. I mean, really, they shouldn't be. Uh, think about how many people left for Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels last year. Yeah, like that should give you a hint. And that wasn't all position coaches. That was a lot of like assistants. But it was some position coaches some of them left and they said we'd rather go to vegas with this uh with this guy who's already failed as a head coach and with that owner than stick around and see what happens here and they were right yeah no they well to a degree yeah I think so they were. so adrian clem i tread lightly about criticizing other people the guy didn't make it through year one in pittsburgh he didn't make it through year one in new england and won't make it to year two as an offensive line coach so maybe it's him too but look i, I don't think cole strange or anybody else are any great shakes uh, Belichick and Groh believe the best available tackles in free agency and the draft had been overrated, according to one source. They loved Riley Reef. They loved Calvin Anderson. Guys in the draft, overrated. Quote, we didn't invest in the offensive line until the fourth round, and we didn't take a receiver until the sixth, a third source said. How did we spend the first three picks on defense when tackle was the biggest problem on the team last year? So, fair. I mean, I, I would argue it was quarterback and receiver over tackle, but whatever. Why were they drafting on defense when they needed help on offense? I Because that's where Bill wanted to focus his attention, or that's the talent that he believed in looking at the draft. When all his scouts and everyone from the front office brings him all the information, he goes through, and maybe somebody like Gonzalez just pops way more than any other tackle. And Gonzalez was a good pick, so I don't criticize him as a player selected, but it's not exactly the the most needed area and your offense was already in bad shape so it's just, the season. The, the real-time criticism we had of like, boy, they didn't do a full search when they brought in Bill O'Brien on offense and man, why are they drafting all these guys on defense when hey they man, need offense? what about a tackle? It's just like, these were real-time criticisms we had and it's like, it's all coming home to, ro- like within the team, it's all coming home to roost in this story today in the Herald. And I know that people are going to say, well, Christian Gonzalez is a great player. What do you want from him? That's true. He looks like he could be a good player. He did get hurt, and there were four wide receivers who all got picked right after him, and they're all pretty good. Zay Flowers and Smith and Jigba and uh, uh, Jordan Addison. I mean, like you got like guys after that 
who are going to be good, too. Like, it wasn't like he was the only good player available. Yeah, and he's played, what, four games? Four games. You know, so, like, I don't know. Maybe he'll fall off in year two. I wouldn't be surprised. I, 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 that pick was better than I expected, though. I'll, I'll grant you that. A uh, few more details here before we get to your phone call. 617-779-7937. I like this. After allowing troubled cornerbacks Jack Jones and J.C. Jackson to play against Mego's Commanders on November 5th, which was a day after they missed curfew at Team Hotel. Well, you can't miss curfew if you never show up. So they, they <laughs> missed curfew and or never showed up and were allowed to play the next day. Belichick left Jackson at home on the Patriots trip to uh, Germany. But in Frankfurt, it's like we were like, how come Jack Jones is allowed to go on this trip? Another thing we were right about. But in Frankfurt, according to a team source, Jack Jones blew up on position coach Mike Pellegrino at halftime for not starting. You're not starting because you missed curfew. You're not starting because you can't show. You were lucky to be on the trip. This guy shouldn't have been on the trip. This guy shouldn't have been on the team. He should have been cut the second he showed up with guns to Logan Airport. He should have been cut the second that he missed curfew. He should have been cut based on his play on the field. And at halftime, he's like, why aren't you starting me? And he starts going off on the lacrosse cornerbacks coach there, Mike Pellegrino. And he's shouting at him in the middle of that game in Germany. Didn't he go off on... the defense played well that game. Didn't he go off on Pellegrino during training camp as well? And he he had to leave? He walked off the field. You're right. I forgot about that. Yes. After he lost I thought he got in a fight with a player. Yeah, I don't... I remember Pellegrino had to speak on his behalf. I don't remember who he was arguing with either. I thought that he went off on Pellegrino He had to walk off the field. After he got into it. Yes. Verbal. And we're like, well, he's done. Nope. Second, third, fifth chance. I mean, the guy's had a million chances. So nice. Belichick cut him, by the way, a day later. Then in December, this is a good one, another problem child, ahead of the team's road finale, Belichick ruled out starting left tackle Trent Brown as a healthy scratch. Brown had dealt with knee and ankle uh, injuries in late October, and he had his mind on free agency. After a surprising upset at Pittsburgh, they finally win a game. They haven't won a game in forever. They finally win a game. They beat Pittsburgh. People are like, is Bill going to save his job? Bailey Zappi gets in there. It's national TV. Good, Had to be great feelings in the locker room, right? Right. Brown openly discussed plans to play for an NFC team in the team locker room <laughs> after the win. What a bum. Like, what an absolute bum. Oh my God. So, like, these are the guys that Bill went to bat for. Jack Jones, Trent Brown, they don't want to be here. They're fighting with the coaches. The coaches are fighting with each other. Nobody trusts the other side of the football. Like, the personnel department is warring with the coaching staff. The coaching staff is warring with the personnel department. They're a mess. We could probably figure out which team it is if we look at who renovated their men's room stalls recently. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Did he announce that from the restroom? <laughs> who, who reworked? Enjoy this win. I'm going to be winning a lot more next year in the NFC. <laughs> who reworked their plush locker rooms and, uh, you know, added a bidet in their toilets? Uh, that then, then we'll be able to source it out. But it's like they're a mess. They're dysfunctional. There's no reason to keep Bill around. Uh, so we'll get to our big question of the day. The results there. We'll get to your phone calls as well. 617-779-7937. And we'll get to more details in this story coming up. Dave's in New Hampshire. Get us started today, Dave. Uh, yeah, so my question to you guys is, is who authorized Mac Jones to be on the Patriots? Yeah, so I, I do think that was a, a mutual decision, but I think Kraft wanted a quarterback. I would put it more on Kraft than Bill. Right, and that's, that's what happened in the season, right? Mac Jones took a massive regression. He kept throwing from his back foot over the middle late, got picked off. They stuck with him way too long. I don't think that's just Bill's fault. I think that's a, that's a thing amongst both of them. Fair. And, and in this story, and we'll get to it coming up, I had some of the quarterback stuff, and Mego's right. I mean, there was not a lot of dirt on the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks kind of skated in this story by my estimation. But the team was out on Mac Jones after New Orleans. 
That's pretty early. That's week five. Very early in the year. <laughs> and he got to start until, what, through the Giants game? What week was that? Week 10 or 11? He got to go through the bye week and keep starting after getting sat down four different times or three different times and then benched in that fourth game against the Giants. So, like, the team was out on him then. I, I like the way the caller said it. It's not just on Bill. Like, I have no idea who really picked Mac Jones. Was it more Kraft? Was it more Bill? I bet Bill was on board with the pick, even if he was taking Mac outside of his comfort zone and earlier than he wanted to take him to appease the owner. But I just have to believe if the team was out on Mac Jones and Bill knew the team was out on Mac Jones, he would move on. He, he, how many ex-players, um, you could ask 4A about it, I'm sure, Wiggy, how many ex-players have said over the years, Bill really pays attention to those dynamics in the locker room. He has his guys in the locker room, his Matt Slaters, his Devin McCourty's, uh, you know, back in the day, Willie McGinnis and Brewski and guys like that. He has his guys in the locker room, so he has boots on the ground and he can feel uh, or get a feel for how the team is leaning with a certain decision. So he doesn't make the wrong one, and he alienates himself from the team. If the team wanted to move on from Mac, I have to believe Bill wanted to move on from Mac. And so maybe Kraft forced his hand there. And I've been wondering that all year long. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's nothing to it. But I wonder that even more after reading this story. And I don't think Mac is just on Bill. I'd agree with the caller there. I agree. I just want the answer to the simple question of how you bench your quarterback week after week after week, and continue starting him the following game. It's just not done. It's just not been done in the NFL. And so I look at that as some of the most bizarre behavior in a very strange season and dysfunctional season as we're reading more and more of the little details. That's the one that I want to hear. Who was making that call? Who was justifying that? Was anybody talking about to about it to the rest of the offense talking about it to Max saying hey I know you got benched for the third time but we're going to start you again what does that conversation go like or hey you have a short leash this week just like the last two weeks when you also got benched it's just so bizarre that that to me remains the biggest mystery just of how that was communicated well, so, or not communicated week to week and what the reasoning behind trotting him back out there was. Okay, well, so answer your own question. Like, we've talked about this a lot all year. I have a theory on this. I, I mean, my theory is that Kraft forced Bill's hand. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. What's your theory? My theory is that Bill decided, all right, we got two quarterbacks who both kind of suck here. I'm going to do what I always do, quote unquote, and that is let him fight it out in practice and whoever's better in practice gets the start. And he did that for as long as he possibly could and just figured, you know what, this is the way I do things. So Zappy I'm just keep on doing Zappy it. just magically started practicing better. No, I don't think so. I think eventually he decided I can't. It, it, Mac, we can't start him anymore. Like this is to the point now or, where it's completely broken. Yeah, it got late enough in the season where they thought, okay, it's only going to be, you know. I like the quote. Six games. The quote in the Herald was good. It was we don't. He didn't uh, replace him. He just waited him out. So we're gonna. And that's what happened. We'll get to some of that QB stuff coming yeah. up. Uh, the results here in our big question of the day: What was the biggest mistake Belichick and ownership made with the Patriots? I would argue it's sticking with Mac Jones. Uh, but I am down at the bottom of the list. That's only 16%, only ahead of coaching staff structure at 13%, which re- really was the big point in this story. Like the coaching was the problem. The dynamics within the coaching staff were the problem. The decision a year ago with Patricia and Judge was bad, and then this was forced on Bill. That's in dead last. So I wonder how much of uh, our listeners out there actually read the story. Only 13% say coaching staff structure. Uh, Mego and Arkan are in the lead. Uh, neglecting the weapons at 37%, neglecting the O-line a close second at 34%. It sounds like a lot of people 
on the coaching staff uh, within the organization would feel that way as well. Tackle, quote-unquote, was the biggest need, according to one source. Yes, Mega? The Super PAC is back. The Super <laughs> PAC is back. Well, when you vote on brand, when you vote as expected, they know how to vote. Oh, I think I would have voted. People would have thought I voted O-line. That's a good point. I did make a whole well, song out of the tackle. Well, look, it's 34%, so maybe that's the actual Super PAC there. And then uh, maybe there was a few who could Zagged read. again. They could read you. Uh, no! Tackle, 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 tackle. Get a freaking tackle, 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 tackle. Freaking tackle. This is some sh- Yeah, no, I can't wait for them to draft a tackle this year. That's going to be super exciting. Uh, 617-779-7937. You know it won't be Joe Alt, though, because he's ranked so high. It's going to be like the 17th best offensive uh, lineman. It's true. It's a good reason to Joe move Alt's on. Joe overrated. Move on from Bill, because he probably would, and he probably would overthink it, to Ryan's point. Uh, let's get into some of those quarterback details, because they are interesting within the story. Uh, Arkan just gave you a quote. We'll get to more. Uh, are quarterback issues at the root of all the Patriots' problems? That's next. Take Jones and Mego wherever you go. Just tell your smart speaker, hey, Alexa, play EEI, play Jones. <laughs> this is Jones and Mego. Yeah, I hate Jones, Alexa, on WEI. With all the speculation surrounding Bill Belichick's job security, does that give you any extra motivation to play hard for him and go out on a high note? Yeah, I mean, like LG said, um, I don't really feed into the whole speculation. It's, you know, just another game for us. We're preparing like it's, you know, just another game. Um, you know, it just so happens to be the last game of the year, so uh, it's kind of getting more attention, I guess. But, you know, we're preparing like we usually do and just getting ready for the Jets. Bailey Zappi earlier today asked about playing for Bill Belichick on Sunday in what should be, maybe will be, his final game with the New England Patriots. I want to get into the game, uh, how the Patriots should handle it, how the fan base should handle it. Like, it's a home game. It's Bill. It's against the Jets. You want him to win? You want him to take a dive? Are we going to celebrate Bill Belichick out there on the field? We can get to that with your phone calls. 617-779-7937. Do you want it to be like an international film festival where people stand up, give a standing ovation, and they're like, this standing ovation lasted eight minutes Something like for that. Bill Belichick. You know, but that would... That would require everybody knowing he's done. Like, if you think he's back, you're you're not going to be well, allowed to do case. that. Well, just in case. Just in case. It's a preemptive standing O. Uh, you know how much it costs to get in the door? $28. Yeah, I saw those prices. 27 they're, yeah. They're cheap. What? going to be a lot of empty seats there. Give me some of them? No, there won't be empty seats. You I think, think there'll there be empty will. seats because of the I snow? I think there will because of the snow, yes. Fair. I guess that's fair. And the team blows. Well, yeah, but if you <laughs> but if you thought there was a chance it's Bill's final game, you'd Blowing go. Blowing in the snow? <laughs> What? Give me some of those numbers. What are those numbers? Uh, upper level, 315, row 23, $30 each. This is according to Vivid Seats. Um, pretty much everything in the upper level is in the 30s. Uh, let's see. If you want to get down to no, like, uh, so visitor sideline. Just keep it there. You can get you can get in for 30 bucks. Get yeah. in for $30. Visitor sideline? Visitor sideline, $70 each, row 12. Yeah, that seems very reasonable. That is. So, like, I mean, good. I'm not Should trying to. I'm not trying to go out there and Should sit in the snow. No. Should we have like a little snow party? I say no, but if you guys want to, 70 bucks, very reasonable. 35 or whatever just to get in, 30. Spiked hot chocolate. In the upper deck. Uh, so You we can got- sit besi- behind the Patriots sideline, row one, for $477. Okay. Well, that, now, well now we're, now we're getting I'm saying the, the first row. Like I understand. I'm saying, no, no, but that's probably good that's compared to what like it usually is. $2,000. Yeah, think, right. Yeah. But so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a discounted price. I wouldn't call that cheap. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls on this, 617-779-7937. I want to get into that quarterback dynamic, because Arkham was referencing that before. A caller brought it up. By the time Bailey Zappi made his first start in December, the internal consensus was he hadn't beaten Jones out so much, 
as he had waited him out. I, I reject that. I know you like that line, Arkan. I, I reject that. He hadn't beaten him out. Like, Mac Jones stunk. He stunk. And so, like, I don't know if he was beating him out every single day on the practice field, but, like... Or any day ever. Okay, but this is... The thing is, nobody knows. Like, I mean, the players down there knows, but, like, all these reporters are like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you really beat him out on the practice field. Was he any worse? Whenever I've watched Bailey Zappi, he doesn't look any worse to me. That was last year. That was training camp this year. That was preseason games this year. Like, I never watched it and said, boy, that's way worse than Mac Jones. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty close. I thought he was pretty bad in the preseason games. Okay, me too. But, like, how good was Mac in some of those? Like, when we saw Mac, Better how good was Mac? Bailey Zappi. Nah. Not bad enough to lose the job to Bailey Zappi, who, okay. was, who was worse than I didn't than say him. he should lose the job, but I was never like, holy crap, look at what Mac's doing. Ever. I also so, wasn't like, holy crap, Bailey Zappi's exactly reaching the level of Mac, though. Right, but so when the guy is just making mistake after mistake after mistake, don't tell me that Zappi didn't beat him out. But whatever, fine, if it makes you feel better. Well, about, it's an explanation, If it makes though. you feel better about your reporting in the offseason that there shouldn't have been a competition and everything care, else, I don't care fine, about that reporting. Well, I, I, It serves to me as one p- potential logical explanation for the big mystery that I keep citing, which is why do they keep trotting Matt yeah. back out there after the benching? Did they go through some kind of weird quasi competition during the week like we heard at times about different reps that they got and maybe Bailey's a really bad practice player maybe like there are a lot of athletes like that who maybe. just are different people on game day or maybe. add a lot of credence to Arkans yips thing that got him suspended over the holidays <laughs> it's true. true you know Thursday may- through Saturday Max fine and then he gets out there and he forgets you know how to but hold a football we know that's false too because if we're going to believe the reports now Breer said and Breer reported this I think more than once he reported it in print and on TV that Mac wasn't practicing well. All these same mistakes were boiling over from the week to games. So at least when Zappi gets out there, he plays a little better. I'm not telling you he's been great, but he's been better than Mac. Quote, we had no chance to win with Mac at quarterback, a locker room source said. And yet they continued to roll him out there. Uh, the locker room's confidence in Jones waned significantly after the home loss to New Orleans on October 8th, the worst home shutout in team history. Around that time, the staff began deliberating a quarterback change. On October 8th. But we were, I mean, but, but that shouldn't be shocking. Like, I mean, I give Callahan and Kyle a lot of credit for, for like, really detailing it and giving you examples of it. But, like, we were all talking about it on the outside looking in. We're like, can they keep starting this guy? And why are they going to keep starting? He's been sat down two weeks in a row. Like, of course they were talking about it. Quote, there definitely isn't healthy communication in there between Mac and Zappi about trying to win games, the team source said. Jones and Zappi, who teammates say are cordial to one another, hardly talk. Which just, that's another thing. We've asked Mac about his relationship with Zappy. We've asked Zappy about his relationship with Mac. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's huge help. Ah, oh, we're all rooting for each other and we want each other to win. They hardly talk, that's according not a surprise, to this story. Though. It's not a surprise that they no, hardly talk. I think we've gotten reports that they're kind of like two ships passing no, no, no. in the night. I agree. But, but I'm just saying, when we, when, we, when we talk to them, we've asked them both directly on this show. Yeah. And it's a bunch of garbage. I, I don't expect them to come out and be like, I hate the guy, but just they hardly talk. Instead of rallying to support the starter each week, they often are siloed in their own preparation. Several members of the organization believe they would have benefited from a veteran backup with experience in more cooperative rooms who could direct them and tie the room together. No, I think they benefited great from having 47 different third quarterbacks all year. I think that really worked out great. <laughs> so who was it? You, Arkan, who wanted a veteran in the offseason? That was Arkan. Okay. 
Well, well I mean, I think that was, instead of what they ended up doing, I mean, I thought that would have made way more sense. Not only because if you have a veteran, and I don't necessarily think that there were a ton of great options out there, but if you just have two we, guys. We talked a lot about Mayfield in the offseason. Mayfield, I know, someone I would have liked. I Minshew, know, I would have liked. But, we, I mean. We talked a lot about Mayfield, and it's like, you can get him for nothing. He comes in. He can compete for the job. And, like, Mayfield's been good. He hasn't been great. I wouldn't feel like he's your franchise quarterback. But maybe you're doing what Tampa's doing. Where what are they? Eight and eight, uh, nine and seven, whatever they are. They're right on knocking on the door of a playoff spot. Yeah, in that division. But I mean, I don't. Okay, know. but I, but I'm saying Mayfield will be doing that in the AFC. Okay, East. maybe not. But Mayfield Mayfield's been pretty good. That would that's the kind of veteran we or Minshew's another good one. Like the Colts or whatever they are. The Colts are eight and eight, right? Joe Colts Flacco's are, been sitting around for three quarters of good this one. season. Sure great one. I wanted Joe that, Flacco. Though. Okay, you wanted Joe Flacco. I didn't you're think Joe Flacco one. was even still on okay, the table. But, like, I okay, but was, maybe if Joe Mego. Flacco's in here, you're winning more games. We're not talking about blowing up what do you the mean? entire team. What do you mean? Who could have predicted it? The Browns. They went out and signed him and started him, and look I know, what he's I'm doing. Saying credit to them. I okay, think the a beginning lot of people of year, were looking at Joe okay. Flacco yeah. and but saying that's, he could be a great addition okay, to this team. Is he better than Nathan? Bill's Bill's supposed to know these things. That's the point. Like Bill's supposed to be the great. He's supposed to know these things, and so he didn't get it. And so, look, I I wasn't really on board outside of early in free agency of like bringing a veteran in to compete with Mac. I wasn't big on, like, in training camp, crap, they need a veteran. I wasn't big on that. I thought they had enough with Zappi. We'll see. But the idea of getting a veteran in the room, I think Mac would have turned into a puddle even earlier. And at least then you would have known, and they would have been comfortable to move off of him after the New Orleans game. That would have been the upside of having a backup, a real veteran backup. I don't think I don't think that's necessarily true. If it was someone who was good, like Mayfield, Mayfield. or Minshew or yeah. somebody, but if it was just some veteran, you know, third stringer, someone who's been around the block a little bit and could maybe have been more of a guiding light for Mac Jones than Bailey Zappi, who was just directly uh, uh, competing against him, I think that probably would have helped Mac Jones. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. If, if it was a real, you mean if it was like a Brian? Yeah, Hoyer. right. Like a, exactly. Like a guy who's just a Maybe sounding better board. than him. But yeah, okay. But like, but I, I didn't want that. I wanted a guy who potentially could play, like a Mayfield or a Minshew, or as we found out. Trust me, I didn't think this at the time. Flacco. So like, he would have lost his job after the New Orleans game. And the coaching staff would have been more confident to move on, or maybe ownership would have been more confident to move on. 617-779-7937. We'll continue with all your feedback here coming up. Uh, we'll get into more details on Andrew Callahan and Doug Kide's story in the Boston Herald. I want to get into how the Patriots should handle the game. That means on the field against the Jets. That means fans in the snow, potentially. What sort of celebration, what sort of send-off will there be for Bill Belichick? It's potentially his final game. Should Robert Kraft come downstairs and demand he tanks it? Let's get into all that with your phone calls next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t oh, 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 For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.